Welcome back to All Doors Photography Podcast, where we share experiences out in the field and educate others through landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more, with photographers from all around the world. In today's episode, we have Suzette Barstow on the show, a nature photographer from Alliance, Ohio. So, welcome, Suze. Um, you and I have met, I think, on, it was on Instagram, I think, like three years ago or something. So, um, I'm not even sure if you remember, but like, why don't you start by telling us your origin story with that and how we all, I guess, you and I met. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, so, yeah, probably three years ago and probably about the time that I bought or was thinking about purchasing a camera. Um, and then I started asking you questions. <laughs> lots and lots of questions about, well, what does this do? Well, what does this do? What do you mean? What's the triangle? I don't understand shutter. I don't understand ISO. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan was like my go-to person besides, you know, multiple thousands of hours of YouTube video watching. Um, yeah, Ryan was my go-to person to, to help walk me through everything I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, think, awesome. I think it's just one of those things of like, you know, finding Ohio local photographers and like, I think either one or the other we found each other that way and like i just remember getting messages at random throughout the day for for quite a long period of time and you're just like yeah what's the exposure triangle can you teach me this and um i think back then you're even using only a phone was that correct i was when i so my whole journey when i first started um i was just using my iphone uh 10r xr whatever the kids call it these days um that's what i had on me and I started by um, walking and hiking local trails. We had just moved to Alliance. I was curious about the area, even though I had grew up close by years ago when I was just a kid. Um, so I was curious to get out and see what was out and about. So I, family, friends started saying, hey, check out this place. Hey, do you know about this lake that's down the street? And this is close to you. And so I started just walking and carrying my phone along with me and started realizing that it was taking me like, you know, an hour to go a mile <laughs> because I was taking all of these photos. I was stopping every four feet because, Oh, well that bug looks cool. Or that's a cool leaf or that chipmunk stood there long enough. I need to get a picture of it. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, I wasn't sure I wanted to invest all of the money. I, the camera photography hobby is not a cheap one, especially nature photography. And you don't narrow, narrow it down to like a specific part of nature. I like to do it all. If it crawls, if it walks, if it breathes, and you know, landscapes, everything included. I like all of it. So you need a gazillion different lenses for that. Um, that's expensive. And so I wasn't sure. Yeah. So I did some research and I found a company that's located out of Seattle, Washington called Moment. And they make glass for your, um, for your phone. So basically they build a case that you snap on your phone and on the back you can twist and lock in their lenses 
so I had a telephoto, I had a macro, and I had a wide angle, and then I just went crazy. I was chasing down snakes for photos. They weren't always as thrilled about it as I was. Um, it got me over my fear of bees because I had to get so close for a macro shot. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the basics of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's super cool. Um, I'm curious, do you have like a background at all in like, um, you know, like research into wild animals or wild insects? Like, do you have any background in that? No, I'm just a stay at home mom. <laughs> no, I have no, yeah, no, um, no background in anything. When I was a kid, my dad used to drag us along at the time it was dragging. Now I have a huge appreciation for it, but back then he would take us through the woods for these nature lessons and we would be quizzed on trees and plants and you know what kind of tree is this and I don't care that it doesn't have leaves on it you should be able to tell me by the kind of bark and the texture and the color and and then you know we always came home like exhausted and going oh, yay can we please do that again but um so I've always had like this fascination with nature I love animals I've always loved animals I tried, uh, my brother and I, we lived in the country for a while when we were younger, and we're riding our bikes down country road, and we see this turtle, and it's huge. We're like, oh, this is so cool. So we go home, and we're like, hey, mom. And she's, like, trying to hand us, like, this little sandwich, you know, lunch paper bag. We're like, no, mom, that's not going to work. We need something bigger. So she hands us, like, a grocery paper bag we go back and we're like well this isn't gonna work because it keeps like it won't stick its head in it's not scared of us and it keeps grabbing at this bag we bring this like shredded bag back to my mom and we're like no mom we need something else and she's like oh for gosh sakes you guys leave it alone she's like it's a snapping turtle and i was always doing <laughs> stuff like this to my poor mother i would find baby raccoons I would bring them home and I would sit with them on my lap and just cry because she wouldn't let me keep it. And she'd make me walk it back to the woods and leave it there. She's like, you're lucky you're not going to get rabies that it didn't bite you. You don't know if it's sick. Quit bringing things home. So I was always like that. Loved cats, dogs, you name it. I wanted a pet. Um, we always had pets growing up. Uh, anything from like an iguana to birds to fish to I, I i think my poor dad just went crazy after all the animals that we collected through the years um okay. so yeah i always had a fascination i wanted to actually at one point go to school to become a marine, marine biologist i have a huge fascination with ocean wildlife and um then i discovered that um chemistry was a huge part of that and uh chemistry is not like that's not that's not for me so we we decided <laughs> not to forgo that yeah i, I don't blame but, you that's daunting. other than that yeah no yeah. nothing professional just you know just simple fascination with the things around me oh, sorry uh, <laughs> i was just gonna ask you if that like was, was there a period of time like maybe in between your childhood and like when you took up photography that you kind of lost that love or did it always stay consistent? 
And now I, you know, a typical teenager, friends, things were more important, hanging out with friends, going out after work, um, you know, dating, the social life, that was nature for, what's that? That's not cool. Who's hanging out in nature? I think the closest thing to nature was um, a friend of mine went like to a park once and had like a grill out with you know a few people or whatever and that was as close to nature as it got mm-hmm. and then um so i meet my husband we get married we have our son um you know i still have like this love of like the beach and you know i mean i still you know love animals they co- like to collect cats and dogs i'm not you know crazy cat lady or anything but you know, we've always, my husband and I, we've always had pets. And um, after we moved to Alliance, I just was like, there's something missing. Like, I don't like the way that my life personally, like where it's headed. I don't, like, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm just in a rut. And I, I need to change this. I need to do something different. I need to like get a healthier outlook on everything and that's what the whole starting to hike thing happened and because I started hiking then I fell like re-fell in love with nature and discovered it in a whole new light as an adult for the first time you know the things that dad taught coming back to me but then taking those things and then running with it and going, okay, so now I want to, every bug I see, every creature I see, every plant, I want to know what it is. I want to know, you know, can I eat it or should I not eat it? Not that I'm going around through the woods snacking on everything during a hike. I get you some trouble. <laughs> I'm not just like, you know, like, oh, let's try this today. But, you know, no. But um, I'm just super curious about this whole world that is around us. And then the creatures, the creatures, the wildlife started to come into play when, um, when I got my camera. Because before that, with a phone, uh, no doubt you can take amazing photos with a phone. No uh-huh. question, no question about it. I've I've printed out my phone photos to eight by tens, and they're beautiful photos. Um, yeah. But wildlife is tricky because you can't get those more intimate, up close and personal. You can't catch their personality the way that you can with a Nikon or a Canon or Sony, um, except for snakes. And (laughs) so I used to spend a lot of time at the bog in Kent, Ohio. It's like a half mile boardwalk trail. And on nice, warm, sunny mornings, easily there's 35 to 40 like water snakes, garter snakes, um, just hanging out all over the place. And so they make for great subjects. So I started taking a lot of snake pictures and learning about snakes um but then i got my camera and then a whole other world opened up now it's it's everything it's every bird 
I can find or hunt down um, the deer. I have a list of special creatures I'd like to find. And the top of that list, which actually like started the list, was river otters. And I spotted them mm. one morning. I was out on a weekend morning. I think it's been two years ago now. And I watched six of them cross the road in front of me. And I was still practicing camera settings at that point. I still wasn't shooting full, you know, manual mode. And so my settings were all messed up. They were all wrong. And it didn't matter. So I got all these little blurry shots of river otters, but it just made my day. And after that, I compiled a list. And so I've been able to knock a few things off of it since. So uh, basically what's left is a bobcat, a black bear, uh, which are both not typical, you know, things that you see in northeastern Ohio. Um, A mink, I still not have seen a mink I did happen to see a a weasel at Stark Park's office a few weeks ago and that was the first time I saw one of those and I saw a coyote over the winter uh, on the frozen lake hunting the shoreline so yeah so I have those fun little things that you know it's like a little treasure hunt like I don't expect to see them but when I do, it's really fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of makes things exciting too. You have like a little checklist and it's like a like a goal to reach really, you know, like take photos of this, experience seeing this kind of wildlife. Like I, I feel like that makes it really exciting too. Yeah, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. It's like playing Pokemon po- Pokemon Go right. with, you know, with nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is though. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, if you ever heard like the term gamifying, like just kind of making a little game out of it almost too. Just like, you know, what can I find today? I guess, you know, out in nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to ask, are you, would you ever go full time or do you like to kind of, you know, keep it, you know, just at a hobbyist level? Well, I, I dipped my toes in a little bit with trying a print on demand website type thing. I've decided for the time being that's not it's just it's not personable enough so it's not the road I want to travel right now maybe eventually I will do something more on the lines of professional uh, creating my own website in the future Uh, right now I've kind of taken a step back from that and just back to enjoying the hobby side but if somebody approaches me and says you know I do have business cards that I hand out to strangers around town um, when I get into conversations and it has my Instagram on it it has a email address on it and so I do put myself out there and say hey you know follow me on Instagram if you have an Instagram if you don't have Instagram you can still look at Instagram without an account you just can't see everything um but you can see you know my photos if there's something that you're interested in if i can print that if it's available to print because sometimes i'm i'm still working through 
the technical side of editing and learning those things when it comes to printing. Um, questions for the future, Ryan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all ears, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I'll, I'll do that. I'm happy to go, I'm happy to, you know, sell something to somebody, print out, you know, a five by seven and eight by 10. Uh, I, you know, sign it. I'm happy to do that. Um, I have um, had some stuff printed out for my parents. My dad belongs to the Ohio Forestry Association, and they do a uh, charity auction every year that helps kids go to forestry camp every year. And they learn all about, you know, nature and trees and plants and um, all that stuff. And so I've donated or helped, you know, I've to get prints. Dad has paid for prints to be donated for the auction. So that, I've dabbled here and there, but nothing, nothing super serious. It's hard to market nature photography. It's probably, I would say, nature photography, landscapes, birds, animals, even macro is a hard it's a hard sell compared to, you know, portraits. Well, everybody wants, well, except for me, but everybody wants their photo taken, you know. Somebody will pay for somebody to take your picture, but they don't want a picture that you stood in the rain for two hours to get a picture of some, like, rare seagull. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the print buyers with, like, birds is like only like birders themselves so yes. right you're like, definitely right it's, not everyone's gonna like appreciate like a i don't know like a warbler like most people like the more common species in my experience but in regards to like print sales you know they like like the cardinals the the robins just like stuff that's much more like a backyard kind of bird you know they're not gonna really appreciate like i don't know something that's not like a bald eagle per se yeah, exactly. And, and I had somebody approach me about squirrels not too long ago. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. She's like, my husband absolutely loves squirrels. And I'm like, huh. well, sure. I, you know, I have a gazillion of them in my backyard. I would be happy to take some photos of squirrels for you. <laughs> it's like yeah. a com commission in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't ask that question like project, of course, because yeah, it's perfectly fine to be a hobbyist. Like, I feel like it's like such a bad rap, but like, it's just interesting the. I guess see people's motives and maybe like if they want to do pursue it but you know it's really yeah it's fine either way of course but it, it is a really hard sell like you said for sure the print on demand so i used fine arts america it's obviously not a plug or anything but um because i'm not on it anymore i learned things about websites and business the business side of things through doing that and realizing okay it did it took me out of my comfort zone which was a good thing i'm always willing to have things push me out of my comfort zone but i also learned that maybe it pushed me out a little too far because it started to become about what people wanted i started hearing like oh you have a website oh you sell photos now well i would like well don't you do this don't you do this i would like this instead can well nobody wants a picture of that bird but can you do butterflies or can you do, you need to do more landscapes. And it started to become about everyone else when the whole reason my journey started with photography was all about me, finding me, my inner peace, 
feeding my soul, whatever you want to call it. It was about me being in nature and relaxing and just enjoying the peace and quiet. And it was starting to get a little too noisy for me. So that's kind of why, me personally, why I stepped back. Who knows what will happen in the future. And no judgment for those who do pursue it professionally and no judgment to those who continue that are amazing photographers that just continue to say it's just a hobby Mm -hmm. yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah it is a lot of noise hearing the feedback you know whether it's solicited or not good or bad it's just like it does kind of become an influence i guess or even a distraction too sure yeah definitely. yeah so kind of kind of switching gears here a bit uh you seem to stay local for like a lot of your hikes so do you believe that this helps you uh with your photography would you say the benefits are yes so well you know there's pros and cons to staying local versus traveling out and about the the pros for me are i get to know the wildlife really well so i have i have basically three lakes that i jump between they're within a 10 minute drive of my house so i start basically on one end i start at wallborn and I hit my favorite spots, and then I drive, a, basically it's a straight road that takes me over to Deer Creek. And at Deer Creek, I hit, um, it's a pretty like long lake, so there's not a lot of like access points on that lake, so it's a pretty easy like look and hit kind of situation. Uh, there is a trail, it's part of the Mahoning Valley Trail, I believe. Uh, out there and to you know you can get out you can walk there is you know quite a bit of walking you can do um and then there's the mud flat area of berlin lake and berlin lake is is a huge area of water but it's got a lot of like bends and um like outer banks and and parts to it because i believe the mahoning river runs in it through it I'm not real good with geography stuff. Um, So I hit those three lakes and I hit them on a, well, not right now because gas is kind of expensive, but usually I drop kiddo off at school at 7.30 in the morning and I take off and I go to Walborn. And doing this almost every day, weekly, you learn well this time of year this is what you're probably going to see of course there's always this fun little easter eggs like the coyote or the river otters or whatever um i know where the best places are to see the blue herons or where to find egrets or uh the bald eagles and at wallborn you know stark parks loves their eagle nest um, they have a observatory set up for it, but the nesting site is actually not the best place to ever see eagles when you're out at Walmart. Um, but I know that because they spend a ton of time out there. And the same thing goes on with Deer Creek and where you can find different kinds of, you know, cormorants and uh, gulls and uh, other kinds of waterfowl out there then you go to the mud flats and you can find all the small things like killdeer and sandpipers and um all that fun stuff uh my favorite spot in the mud flats to find the kingfisher 
And so I just, if I'm looking for something particular or I want to spend time with a certain type of nature or wildlife, I know which spot, like I'll just take my chair with me and go sit with my tripod and my camera and just see what I see in one spot. Or if I, or if it's like, there's a lot going on that day, I may hop and you know, it takes me a few hours, but I hit all the places. Mm-hmm. So, long, go ahead. I was going to ask, yeah, how long did it take you to really, because it sounds like you have such a great grasp of them, those locations. Like, how long did it take you to really, like, realize all these different ecosystems and habitats, like, where you may see, like, a particular bird species or whatever? Um, it probably took a, you know, a little bit. It wasn't just, like, you know, it probably took a year of spending time out there and just, you know, I've had people say like, oh, well, how do you find all it? I, I'm not, they're not on my time. I'm on their time. So, um, I, it's just, it's just getting out there and not expecting anything, but then, but really being open and paying attention because a lot of people go out and they're like, checklist, blue heron for the day see you later, you know, and then they're off and running and, but you didn't see the snake in the grass or you didn't see this cool little bug on this flower or you see, you have to just, you have to look at everything and pay attention to everything and then just make notes of it. And eventually it just becomes like muscle memory. And then when, mm-hmm. so then when I'm out somewhere at a certain time of year, when like migrations coming through in the early spring and in the fall, you notice something that's not usually there. Like, oh, that color isn't usually, what is that? You're able to spot the differences easier to see the see new species and different things that, you know, aren't always around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, That's yeah, super cool. Going with, like, different seasons Sorry. and everything. That's no, okay. But, yeah, just seeing, like, going the same places and seeing through the seasons is super important. Like, especially with you said with like migration, it's like you get to see those patterns and just all the animals moving everything that, you know, just really helps you, I guess, you know, familiarize yourself and probably I imagine take better photos with it too. Right. Yeah. I, I feel that it helps because you can, you can take your time. Um, you can also like, if something like, oh, okay, well, egrets aren't here yet. So let's just forego like maybe these three places and let's go try to look for something else or the one thing I don't ever look for because when I look for it I never ever see it is bald eagles so I've learned that we do not expect to see bald eagles ever I never go out and plan for it um because when I don't plan for it I will see five or six in one location or I will see five or six the whole morning out. So that's, you know, that's always something fun. I think sometimes too, with those bigger birds, they'll be way up in the trees and you know, you, you may be able to see them, but uh, you know, it's hard to get good uh, photographs of them. You really have to hope for those spontaneous moments. So I think that's yeah. a good plan for them. Yeah. Eagles, eagles and ospreys, you, it's a lot of sitting and waiting, basically. Uh, if you yeah. know that they're, 
if you do spot them, you're right. They're up sitting high perched in a dead tree somewhere. And so you're just sitting and you're waiting and you're waiting them out and you're going, are you hungry yet? I know you're here to eat. So are you, are you ready to go? Are you hungry? (laughs) Like, and so you, you, and then you, because you sit and watch them for so long, then you start to pick up on little things of like, well, they went to the bathroom. They're probably going to fly soon or they're getting really restless. So you better, you know, stand up out of your chair or whatever and start paying attention because they're going to fly. And those bigger birds, those are kind of the shots. I mean, any shot of a bald eagle is a great shot, but when they're, you know, half a lake across sitting up in a tree, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a decent shot to take when you can wait and hopefully they'll fly right over your head. Yeah, the second you look down at your phone, too, they end up flying, or at least for me. <laughs> and don't see where they go, yeah. It always happens. It never fails every single time. Yeah. And for me, one of the places that I like to watch for um, birds like uh, eagles and osprey, um, it's actually on a road. And it's a country road, but it's 35 miles an hour. And there's no your guardrail on both sides because there's water on both sides and so i just park on the side and nobody's ever you know yelled at me at yes i'm the crazy lady that stands on the side of the road um i've been on like really cold mornings where i've just stayed in my car and i'll go to shoot and then i'll be shooting as a car's coming down the road and i'm like crap no, not now. Why are you coming now? <laughs> like you're gonna drive in front of my shot. It's flying. Don't you understand that eagle is flying in the air right now? That is why I'm here. Don't you care? You need to make a sign or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> know. <laughs> we'll stop for birds. <laughs> I mean, I do stops. find that out of all the birds, you know, the the normal non, you know don't even care about nature people you know they'll they'll be like did you see the eagles did you see the eagles so, oh yeah a sign might actually work in that case never fails <laughs> right you're right it might work because every that's what i get on the side when i'm on the side of the road like that the, those are the questions i am asked the most frequent is did you see an eagle today nope i sorry i haven't i've been all over you know like this is my last stop at wellborn i've been all over wellborn this morning and I haven't seen any, but I actually met a guy. I was over in one part of Walborn. There's like a trailhead there. And I come out and there's like a, there's um, like a picnic table. It's a nice, quiet little area. And there's a guy standing down there on the phone and he gets off the phone and he starts talking to me and like, oh, you have, you know, it's, it's, Cameras are always a great conversation starter because anybody sees you with a camera with a long lens, they're like, whoa, do you work for National Geographic? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, thanks. Um, But he, you know, he started a conversation about the eagles and and I said, oh, you've never seen them here? He's like, oh, I spend tons of time here and I've never seen an eagle at Walborn. And I was like, wow. I was, you know, he laughed and I was thinking, if he spends a lot, I spend a lot of time, like how much time do I spend out here that I see all these eagles if you say you spend a lot of time here? 
And not five minutes after he left, um, an adult eagle flew right overhead. And I, I couldn't help but just start laughing hysterically out loud to myself. If anybody was around, they're probably like, crazy woman with a camera. Um, because I found it so funny. Like, had you just waited five minutes, you would have seen one. <laughs> Uh, right. I, I, some people I don't even think know where to look for a bird. Like, quite frankly, like they're like, you know, they might not see a nest, you know, or them perched up high in a tree, too. Yeah. And it, it's, it gets even worse when people ask you that if, like, you're near a nesting area. Like, you know, here in Dayton, Ohio, we have uh, Caroline Historical Park has some nesting eagles all year round. So people are always, if you drive right by there with a telephoto lens, people are going to ask you if you've seen them because it's just kind of like a given, I guess, for the area. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. same, same well, happens at Walmart. Yeah, like you're, you're definitely. I've, I think patience is definitely one of your strong suits. Like more than me, like I, I don't have the patience to sit somewhere for a long period of time. I have to at least be moving around in the area. So I think that's great, and it, it, it sounds like it yields to a lot of shots. So. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I don't, I don't have a lot of patience. Ask um, my husband or my son. Uh, or my parents um, so I don't know where it comes from I don't know what it is about nature that makes it different that makes it that I can just sit and be in it and that's enough for me and it's weird because nothing else in my life do I have that patience with that I have with nature um, yeah. getting back to your point of versus traveling uh, I do travel sometimes. I like to keep a radius of like an hour to an hour and a half circle from my house. And it cannot include major highways. I don't do four lane, 90 mile an hour zipping traffic. It makes me crazy. My husband works in Cleveland and he's like, he could drive like 480 and 90 and the turnpike and like with his eyes closed and it doesn't bother him one bit me i get up there with him and i'm like a nervous wreck let alone trying to drive it on my own so um so i do occasionally branch out and my favorites are like headlands beach state park highly recommend to anybody that wants to go you know up to lake erie it's big it's quiet um lots of driftwood there's a nice lighthouse you know, a different type of scene than what i'm used to uh, so you get like different wildlife and different um uh the wildlife behaves differently up at the lake than or you know lake erie which is more like an ocean compared to you know little wallborn reservoir um you know i also like like nelson's ledges uh which is just full of um glacier rock deposits and caves and that's a lot of fun um so i love those experiences but i but they're an hour an hour and a half away so i can't get the same quality experience even though i enjoy them a lot and i love it every time i go and I always see something different and discover something that I've not seen before. I don't get that same um, more ta honed in experience that I do with staying more local around what's around right around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, it's awesome. 
Yeah, it's like going abroad is like great, but yeah, it's like we said, with being familiar with the locations helps you get those better photographs and just, you know, tell other people about them. But, you know, it's nice to, you know, get out of your comfort zone and, you know, go to new locations too. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was like um, I took a trip another local photographer and he's like hey you want to go to new cumberstown to the eagle's nest i'm like sure if you're driving great um so we went down there and i i have seen you know i've seen a few eagle's nests i've seen a handful that has got to be the best viewing nest in ohio hands down without a doubt you are eye level with it it was just the most amazing thing ever so i really cherish that experience but um and I, after being there i was like oh i gotta go again but once i got home then it wears off and i'm like oh, i don't want to drive down there by myself <laughs> yeah so i mean i i totally see what you mean you know those more far away locations you don't have the same level of uh research i think that really knowing your area can really help so uh, I could definitely see your point there. Yeah, what have been some like really memorable stories from out in the field? Like, um, you know, what are your like favorite moments? I guess out there in nature. Early mornings. I love early mornings. If I can be out before the sun rises, those are my favorite times to go out and be in nature. Everything is, um, you know in the summer the the dew that's everything's wet everything smells fresh and ready for the day and to watch the sunrise um it's quiet every you know all the day creatures are waking up but you still get like all the nocturnal guys are still kind of out roaming around a little bit um the colors in the morning i think are just absolutely amazing and um so definitely in the mornings those are the those are very special to me i have no problems getting up and leaving at you know 6 30 in the morning to be somewhere or be up at five o'clock in the morning whatever that's easy um and then those encounters those special those special like little moments that you don't ever expect and they they just happen uh, it's hard to explain like um, you know like the cool things like seeing the otters or the coyote or you know those are all really special but it's the everyday things I can enjoy going and sitting with a bunch of Canadian geese and a bunch of mallards at the local park and have just as much fun and see just as much personality as if I'm out looking for whatever else the, that's not so typical. Um, like, I guess that's what's, what's more special to me is that I can enjoy, I can enjoy the common birds and see something about them that maybe other people just pass by. I see people walk past me in the park and do circles around me as I take photos and the, you know, people are like, why do you go to the park to take pictures of geese or ducks? And I'm like, because there's still wildlife. It's different, but yet it's not. Um, 
so yeah, just spending those those intimate moments with an animal, learning them so that they you know that they see you, and but that they're comfortable enough with whatever energy you're putting off to not just immediately like freak out and take off or you know just the other day i've always wondered huh in this drainage pond is there fish in there i have no idea i've always wanted to know and i'm looking for small birds and i drive around because there's a nice big field where i am and so i'm like looking see what i can find you know oh warbler season let's see how many different species i can find and i come over to the pond and there's a great blue heron in it. And so oh, wow. I just sit and watch and wait. And it, at first it was, it had a hard, it was almost going to fly. Like it had its wings sticking out a little bit and its head down like, oh, lady, I'm going to go. And, but because I didn't make any movements, I didn't make any sounds or anything. It, it calmed down and relaxed and it fished right there in front of me and caught a huge carp and I was like well I guess there's fish in that pond <laughs> <laughs> so it's just little things like that that you know I'll talk yes I can admit to this I talk to the animals I will talk to them I will say good morning to them I will yell at them when they're being rude to their friends uh, but it's I think it's all part of the experience I think that if I'm putting out that energy I think in some way shape or form they realize that and it's even though they're wild and I know they're wild and they're not pets and I would never ever think of them that way um I totally have a respect for wildlife and nature um sharing that wild moment together is something that's you know it's very special. It's just another way of connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's really, um, so it's, it's a healthy mindset too. I would say a good attitude to have when out there is like, you're not discriminating against one bird or another just because it's common. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it really is, it, but it really, it's like, it's cool that you, you can, you know, you're not exhausted of like a photo opportunity or just even viewing that bird because it, oh, it's just another can of geese or another mallard. Like that, that's really good. I think, you know? It's like no matter how many hundreds of shots you may get of it, there's still something new to see about it, um, whether it's behavior or like a photo composition. Like there's a lot more to it than just, you know, eh, it's just another mallard geese. Yeah. I You know, on another level, they make good practice. So mm-hmm. I'm always learning. I am always practicing because you just, when it comes to photography and cameras and how to use them, it's an ongoing process. There's so much to learn. I will never, ever learn all of it. Some of these things I see these guys talk about on YouTube, like um, uh, Tony and Chelsea Northrup. I'm like, you guys, what? Seriously? You're, you uh, make my head hurt. Like, I, I will never understand cameras to that level. Um, but I find common things are easier to find. They're easier to um be around and they make for great camera practice on you know there's no better place to go catch to learn how to work your camera for flying high action waterfowl photography 
than at the local pond park where it's mating season with a gazillion Canadian geese and a gazillion mallards hanging out on this pond going after each other. You get to you get to see all these things that you may not see at a bigger lake because you know they're too far out or there's not enough of them together to see the chase and like you know how the ducks will like dip down and then the mallards will come up they'll like raise up and they make like the weirdest sound i i I don't know how to explain it um and they only seem to do it during mating season and they do it when other males are around and i don't know that i would ever see that if i was out you know somewhere else but because i'm at the park and they're like 50 feet from me i get to see all that and i get to practice capturing all of that doing composition doing making sure that my shutter speed is fast enough that it is working that i have it working correctly with like my f-stop and my iso and making sure that the triangle is doing what it's supposed to be doing um that i'm that i am, am understanding what i'm supposed to be understanding um yeah so it lots of yeah, that, I think even with common species, I think, you know, just normal people, you know, walking by the side of a pond or something, they'll never see the feathers of a mallard, you know, how they're they're kind of sharp and, you know, I'm talking about on those tan areas. Yeah, kind of, yeah they'll never see that. So, like, you're, yeah. you're highlighting, yeah, of course, yeah, they're you're highlighting that. Um, and I'm sure by now you have a stunning portfolio of mallard images, too. So, yeah, I try not to. Oh. You know, I can go to the park and take a gazillion pictures and end up with, you know, I still haven't learned. Like, I've heard a hundred times from other, like, professional photographers, like, you want to start limiting how many shots you take. Don't, you know, I still take, I can go out and in two hours take 800 to 1,000 shots. Like, easy. Like, I figure, well, more the better so that I can compare them and see what you know what i am doing wrong um so i got lost i lost my train of thought sorry well you're talking about kind of taking a lot of shots of the same scene you know just 800 to a thousand yeah so um so i will do that and then but then that helps me with editing it helps me with um learning all of those different things yeah for sure and i think you know kind of a a thing with even the professionals i think they really are taking a lot of shots and they just they delete a bunch and they just don't talk about it like right you know when you're you're capturing those little moments i mean you gotta take a bunch of them and like you said find the best one so i think they're just some of them might just be a little bit you know pretentious sometimes which which can happen you know right sure it depends on the approach too or yeah even like the subject matter i guess because like i'd imagine most people for landscapes don't take probably quite as many but like wildlife you know if it's birds in flight you will be taking probably thousands of images on burst mode to get that right kind of sharp attack and focus shot sure and i find that i take more if it's something that i've never seen before Mm -hmm. so Uh like i have or something that i don't typically see and so I want to make sure that I get a photo 
that I can share. Um, because I want I want people. The reason I share my photos on Instagram or Facebook um, is I want everybody. I want to capture something that captures some personality or captures a story or I hope that I have a story to go along with it um, because I know not everybody I know people like nature but maybe they don't see it the way that I see it maybe it'll give an opportunity for somebody else to see something the way that I see it mm-hmm. so yeah I will take a thousand shots of a ruby crowned kinglet uh, with no issue whatsoever <laughs> That's a good bird. So, I mean, especially a fast one yeah. like that, too. <laughs> you kind of have to take that many, too. <laughs> yeah, it does not sit still, ever. Never. No. Never. The days... yeah, those little, the kinglets, I would say, are some of the hardest birds. Mm-hmm. I don't even, probably even in the world to photograph because they're just always bouncing and size of like a coin so and they're always like in the shade of like a pine tree or somewhere like densely shaded it's like there's no luck there really without using like a flash yeah. or something yeah i was watching one in our i was just fascinated that we had one in the backyard it's the first time i've ever seen one in the backyard and it's in the shade of you know i didn't think that our maple trees had shade at this point but i guess they do with this bird anyways it found the shade and I'm like, oh, come on. It's a sunny day. Can you pop out? Like, I'm waiting for you to pop out into a sunny spot. Just give me something that I can work with, please. Anything like just two seconds, just something. Like, I don't know. I still haven't looked at those photos yet to see if I got a shot of it or not, or if it's all just, you know, I love the, the pre-flight, the right when we fly off and the after we've flown off shots where there's you're you pull them up to edit and you're like there was something in this photo i know i didn't just take this photo of nothing there was or at the very very tiny corner you'll have like a wing and i'm like wow that's a really nice clean clear shot of the tip of a wing fantastic or the butt of the bird or a really sharp branch too many times with that <laughs> yeah like always <laughs> it was there i promise yeah and it's like just a sharp and focused tree branch nothing else it's like yeah <laughs> that's when you edit it in do you ever like w- with in regards to editing your images do you ever like wait kind of sit with it for a while before you really you know actually edit them or do you like immediately do them the day of or anything like that both it depends so um if it's something super exciting like the the eagle versus osprey above my head i don't know if you guys have seen that post on my instagram or not it just happened the other day um i was out in the backyard i was focused on a northern flicker and i was waiting it was down in the ground like on the yard hunting bugs and i was like oh you're gonna fly i want to try to catch your wings and so i'm waiting for that and i hear this osprey we have an we have a cell tower, a few houses down from us, and it's always had uh, turkey vultures in it. And for some reason this year, a pair, a breeding pair of osprey, won the tower this year. And so we have osprey just a few doors down from us, which I think is super cool. The male comes to our yard to rip sticks out of the tops of our trees for the nest. And <laughs> excuse me. 
And so I'm sitting out there and this, the Osprey is just overhead and it's just crying and crying. And I'm like, why? Like, I know that my Blue Jays and my Crows and my Hawks are not happy with their new neighbor. And, but I don't hear any of that. So I'm like, well, what is your problem? And I tip my head back and I look straight up and I see this huge bird and it takes me a minute to register that that is not a vulture because it has a white tail. And I'm going, oh my God, that's a bald eagle. Oh, what? Holy cow. And out of nowhere, the osprey just comes dive, like the wings are tucked, comes out of nowhere and just dives right at it. And I'm like, what? No. Oh, this is crazy. My settings aren't ready for this. Like, what? And I'm like holding my camera straight. I have a 150 to 600. I'm holding it straight up above my head, trying to get these shots of this, like, scene that is taking place of, like, this battle. And all I can picture is that somebody is going to grab somebody and they're going to land in my backyard. So this was like quite literally just in your backyard. Yeah, in my backyard. Wow. And I've never seen an eagle fly over, you know. I mean, we have a few nesting pairs. I know of um, two two or three nests within a 10-minute drive from where I live. I mean, obviously, flying distance, it's shorter. But I've never seen one, you know in our area before and so I was just I was shocked and it's tail feathers look to be still a little speckly so I'm you know I'm thinking that it still wasn't like a full grown adult that it's one of the older offspring and it's just Uh, looking or causing trouble you know teenagers um so (laughs) um, I feel that Right, yeah, you know, just picking, looking for a fight, you know, he's just this bully eagle just looking for a fight, and he's in, you know, the Osprey's nesting territory, and Osprey just wasn't having it, and I was amazed, I'm just trying, so those shots, I, like, immediately, like, okay, birding, backyard birding is done, we're done, we're over, we're calling it quits, we gotta go in, we gotta put these up on the iPad, we gotta get them loaded, we gotta see if we can edit any of these or save you know, do I have anything that I can even post? Because, I mean, sometimes for me, it's not always about the quality of the photo. It's about the feeling and the story that goes along with it. So as long as you can tell that that's an eagle and that's an osprey, I'm going to post it because I don't care. Uh, because it's more important for me to share, like, this awesome experience I just had. So those photos I ran in and within, you know, I try not to spend too much time editing because the more I stare at a photo, the more I think it needs extra work. And then if I come back to it later, I'm like, what was I thinking? This photo is edited all wrong. Um, Yeah. So I edited those quick, throw them up. But a lot of times I get, you know, I'll go birding or I'll go, you know, just out wildlife, macro photography, whatever. This now the season for, you know, bugs and stuff. Um, I have to sit on it for a little bit, uh, even if it's just a day or two, because it's, it's too much. Like, you're just like, okay, I looked at them. Now I have to, cause I have like a whole, 
because I only edit on my iPad, I only have so much space. And so you, know, you download a bunch of raw, you know, a thousand raw files from your camera onto an iPad. And so then my first process is to go through and pick out all the bad ones. Uh-huh. And by the time I do that, I'm like, all right, we need a break. Because I can't go through and edit anything because you start staring at stuff for too long. And then you're just like, hmm, no, not feeling it now. I got to, it's not, I'm not giving the photo the time that it deserves in editing, I guess is how you could put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I definitely agree with that, where it's like it does become, like, as they say, like overcook the image. Like, it, you get more saturation. You, just the more you look at it, the more it just kind of goes wrong in a sense. Um, but it's just, you know, quicker edits are almost best for, I say, most things at least. Like, when you, when you get an image, like, onto your iPad and you've decided you want to edit it, like, will you do anything to that? Will you add, like, some contrast or saturation? Or what's your process there? Sure. I pull it. Um, so for me, my, my workflow is I typically will just I will pull it into Lightroom, and from there I will, you know, I will touch up little things, um, you know, uh, sharpness or uh, uh, the contrast, you know, play with it a little bit. Uh, sometimes, you know, I may do a little like extra editing, maybe soften things up a little bit because the photo isn't tack sharp to begin with. So I'd rather like encourage the mistake <laughs> by, uh-huh. you know, by smooth, you know, trying to make because yeah. if you try to over sharpen, then if you're, if you try to correct the mistake you made, then a lot of times it, you, it becomes more obvious where instead I like to kind of like blend it in, make decide that that's part of the creative element and work with it instead of trying to work against it. Um, every once in a while, I will have a stick or I will have a leaf or something that is just like you, no matter how I try to crop you out, you are still there and you do not work <laughs> with the scene of my photo. So I need you to go. So I will use, you know, the healing tool and I will remove it. Um, if I can't remove it because I'm not super skilled in, you know, cloning and healing and all of that, sometimes you can still tell that it's there even though you removed it. Um, then I'll go try to find another image or I will try to work around it or I just will give up on it and say, well, you're not the photo for me today. Um I, I typically don't do anything else though. Occasionally, I will get in these moods. I I have um, a creative side that likes to come out and play. Sometimes, um, I don't take anything. I, I don't take it seriously or anything. I I love to paint. I love to draw. I love to do all these things. I do them well. I don't know. Um, but I like to do them because it's a creative outlet for me. It's another form of relaxation. So sometimes I like to mix those together. I like to take my photography and I like to distort it, I guess is a good term, um, in editing to make it look like it's been painted. Ah. So that's a fun thing for me to do. It takes more time. Um, 
you know, not every photo works for it or whatever. And it's, it's definitely like, um, a unique taste that not everybody loves or thinks that you should be doing with a nature photo. Um, but you know, it's fun. And I, that's what photography for me is supposed to be as the whole process from start to finish should always be fun. And so sometimes it helps me, like when I get stuck in editing, I'll just go throw it, you know, in procreate and throw some painted textures around it, blend it through, add some, you know, learning on how to use layers and stuff and um, create this like painted looking photograph. But I don't do it uh, very often. I remember, yeah, for anyone that hasn't seen this, it's it's honestly really unique um, what you're doing with those. I remember, like, the first time you started posting those on Instagram, it was very, like, the shift towards doing those, you're posting for, like, a couple weeks, I think, of, like, all these yeah. different birds and stuff. And it was, it was just really, like you said, kind of like when you get stuck in a rut, like, it was really refreshing to see this kind of, like, uh, I don't want to say wall art, but it had this very artistic kind of, it lent itself more to that style. And it was, it was really fun to see what you're, like, coming up with in the editing process. I appreciate that. I at least have one person that appreciates it. Woo-hoo. Oh, I love um, them. No. <laughs> no, I think it's great. When I checked out your portfolio, like that's some of my favorite stuff is that, I mean, it's so unique. You're, you're not following the trends and you're doing what yeah. makes you happy with photography. So yeah, I'm just doing my own, like putting my own spin on it, doing my own thing. And um, yeah, and it helps, it helps pull you out of that rut or it helps, you know, in nature photography, we have those, moments in the season where things kind of die off and get quiet for a few weeks and if I'm sitting around or I'm bored or I'm stressed or whatever I'll just start pulling out photos things that I've edited and I'll just start throwing them through um uh one of the apps that I use to help do that is called distressed fx um and it adds like it has all these like distressed things that you can add and layer through and it was actually like through that app and through a few people that I follow on Instagram that kind of led me that do it with um, landscapes uh, that led me like down that path of why can't I do it with birds or chipmunks or whatever and um, so yeah but there's there's more like there's more creative process to it and so, yeah, that's, and I'm learning, you know, I've learned different things with that, um, with like DPI and stuff, like sometimes those apps, and that's why I started learning Procreate, um, because the apps like send it down to like 72 and then you can't print it. So then I'm just doing it, I guess, for Instagram, but I like to do things that I can, you know, even print for me personally and so if I'm doing this like creative style that I love to do when I do it well I want to be able to like show it off in my home but if I can't print it because it's pixelated when it prints well then that's you know it's no good to me then yeah so sure. always learning <laughs> yeah I think that's awesome yeah, that, that's I think that might be our episode title right there. Always <laughs> learning. Always learning. That's a good way to put that'd it. That'd be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you just decided it for uh-huh. us. Yeah, that's great. Hey, no yeah. problem. Anytime, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as we wrap up the episode here, is there anything you're looking forward to the shooting uh, come here in spring or even summer? No, 
Uh, more warblers. I'm loving this. It's I. It is. It's I'm playing Pokemon Go with warblers. Yeah. I'm collecting. I don't know why I've never seen them. I like. I this is my first year of identifying and seeing them. I don't. I don't know if it's because I've had my telephoto lens for a year and a half now, and so now it's birds, birds, birds. That's all I think about. I eat, sleep, dream wake birds like and the more birds i can find like the cooler it is the more i can watch so warblers that's my thing right now i've seen two different species in my own backyard i've found three total and it's like okay how many more you know can i hunt down but i'm just looking forward to the you know the summer the summer birds i love watching the great egrets i you know enjoy the kingfishers in the summer um we have them year round but i never typically find them very much until summer um you know the herons i love spending time with the herons uh, even though they're here in the winter uh they're harder to find in the winter and so i enjoy just uh they're so peaceful and so i enjoy like you know pulling out my camping chair sitting down and hanging out with you know having a morning with you know some caffeine and you know, a few blue herons to watch. That's it's always a good day. Good morning there, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Living yeah. The, the life, yeah. <laughs> I don't ask for much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't need much to be entertained. I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, I wish there were more people like like that in the world that, you know, just enjoyed nature versus all the distractions of life. So I think that's great. Yes, I I agree with you place and always you know people are like i'm like go to nature like you just don't and don't just go you have to be in it you have to be open yep you have to be open to it and that's and what I, you- I think for some people that's not photography some people it's hiking some just yeah just using binoculars, you know. experiencing it yeah yep mm-hmm. yeah i've met so many so many cool people across the board i've met you know, biologists from Michigan that we've had conversations on the side of the road. Like, I've had conversations with some of the coolest people and it's all because of photography. Had it not been for photography, I you know, nature photography specifically, I wouldn't have ran into all these people. I wouldn't have had the conversations that I've had, learned the things that I've had, you know, people give me tips I've met tons of other like birders and people into wildlife that are you know like-minded and it's just been an amazing amazing experience Mm -hmm. yeah photography kind of bridges the gap between you know the connections even if you're out there in nature it's like a solitary experience it still kind of breaks down the barriers and you know kind of connects us all Mm -hmm. yeah that's quite dramatic but (laughs) it's a great way to end the episode i think (laughs) This, this has been a great conversation, Suze. Uh, so where can listeners go to uh, see your Instagram and your Facebook? Yeah, so my Instagram is um, the best place to go, and it's Suzette Barstow. Um, so that you just search Suzette Barstow. It'll pull up my Instagram. It's public. You can absolutely follow. Uh, give me a like, whatever. Um, my Facebook is right now until I figure it out. Um, it's just, you know, a typical normal Facebook profile. 
Uh, so right now it's private. Um, so the best place right now would be Instagram. I, I still love Instagram over Facebook. I'm still not into this whole Facebook thing. Um, yeah. Everybody not, not gets a lot. The community, I, I talk more to people on Instagram. I'm more into networking, social media, everything when it comes to Instagram. Uh, Facebook, I'm still hiding around lurking. So, <laughs> yep. No I got banned off Facebook day one. I tried to join, so Facebook ever since jail. then I'm just like not even <laughs> yeah. trying it. Yeah, I I got, um I got thrown in jail within the first two hours that I joined wow. Facebook. Yes, they just yeah. I think like they assume day. everyone's a bot that signs up because you start liking all these pages and do all the stuff. It's like too much activity, so they just lock you down. Yeah, they're like, Dude, <laughs> you can't add. I'm like, they're like, ooh day one she knows how to create an album and she's loading 400 photos into it you can't do that you must not be real <laughs> right yeah you're using too much of our data yeah <laughs> yeah apparently so i mean same thing happened yeah. to me when i made my facebook for my photography page it did lock me out and i was like you can't get in we don't want you to log in nothing it's like ridiculous but oh jeez. Yeah. it's weird like that i don't know uh yeah so, i'm looking looking forward to seeing your instagram stuff though um, mm -hmm. yeah. migration stuff and everything that'll be awesome so yeah definitely perfect Looking thank you yeah yeah thanks no for coming on Suze uh, this has been yeah great. no thank you so much this it's, is this is awesome it's, it's, I love it it's been really cool like seeing your whole journey uh, throughout the past couple of years you know start with the phone and just taking those phone shots to like what you're doing now is just the evolution is really incredible so and you're a great personality too oh thank you so much I really appreciate that <laughs> oh, you guys are so kind thanks it's been great yeah, yeah. thank you yeah, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much.